If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome to Springboard, your virtual university. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, ably led by Comfort. This is your most inspirational show and a point of convergence for the greatest minds. Your virtual university is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank with media partnership with the multimedia group and the graphic communications group. Today, we continue our discussion on getting the best out of the year 2022. How to get the best out of the year 2022. Our theme for this year is Agenda 2032. We are scheming, scoping, projecting, planning for the next 10 years and ensuring that 10 years from now, every single listener will be at a more advantageous position in every single area of their lives. And if you want a scriptural foundation for this conversation, we would like to go to Luke chapter 14, verse 28 and 29 that says, if you want to build a tower, you first sit down and decide how much it will cost to see if you have enough money to finish a job. If you don't, you may lay the foundation, but you will not be able to finish. Then all who see it would make fun of you. Interesting scripture to start a conversation that is so important. So we are looking at how to make the most of the year 2022. 
My guest for today is a long-time part of Springboard, having been first a participant, then a volunteer, and then an organizer of this Springboard, especially the roadshow, and today he returns as a resource person. He was the first to take Springboard to Takwa um, at the University, UMAT, University of Mines and Technology, in the year 2010. And he also facilitated the broadcast of Springboard on Dynamite FM for over five years, making it possible for the people of that enclave and that region to benefit from the intervention. Dr. Kwesiam Pofu is the head of Metals and Mining at Bloomberg NEF in the UK and a board member of Amira Africa, a leading mining research firm. Kwesi, good to see you. Good to see you, Albert. It's, it's interesting talking about Springboard 2010, and that's about 12 years ago. Time flies, doesn't it? Is. It? it is. But thankfully, we are the pilots. Talking about 15 years of Springboard, this month we celebrate 15 years of the virtual university, or better still, 15 years of the road show. Mm. And one of the things we are excited to be doing is bringing back alumni who are doing great things across the world as resource persons, just to showcase what Springboard has done and is doing. And how does it feel from transitioning from the, the participant to the resource person phase of things? I think I represent the cliche term of I've been through the mill and then um, I mean it's really good to be back and back when we started this like as a participant and through to volunteer to organizer I never saw myself on the hot seat you know back in the days you have um, people like um, Seth Gray, um, Isan Kuma and you look up KSM, um, Joyce Aye, you look up on the stage and to be honest with you I never thought that um, one day I would also have enough resource to be a resource person for this event. So yeah, it's really, it's really good to be back. And then uh, as you were talking, I really had really good friend, fond memories of, um, of some of the trips, the road trips and all that. And I'm pretty sure I'll talk about them later. Very, very important. But let's start with this conversation. We'll look at two parts today. The first is about what are some of the major changes and emerging trends on the global, the continental and maybe the national stage. Mm. And then in the second part, zoom into what must companies do, what must individuals do, what must we be doing differently to get the best out of the year 2022. What do, what do you think of our theme, Agenda 2032, projecting for the next 10 years? What do you think of it? I think it's exciting. Um, I don't know why you chose 2032, but then in my mind, the mass tells me that it's 10 years from now. Right. And 10 years is a lot of time to make a change in the world as an individual, as a country, as a continent. And then um, if you look at the country we are in, or even our individual selves, um, 10 years ago, we're not where, and now we are not where we used to be. So 10 years, certainly enough time to make a change. I'm quite curious what 2032 will bring in the life of listeners, participants, and people who are um, tuning in today. And for yourself, because 10 years ago, you were a participant. <laughs> Let's start with how, how, how has the world changed? How much has our world changed in the past couple of years? Has COVID-19 created a new economy from where you sit? Exactly. I mean, the world has, I would say that um, the world has turned upside down in a way um, due to COVID. And uh, unfortunately, COVID has um, taken away a lot of lives. And then also impacted families negatively and we do sympathize and empathize with those families but then with that comes change as well and i think there are a lot of things that we have learned as individuals we have learned as a world that i believe moving on will take along and for example 
I remember very well as a head of my team back in the days when I asked my colleagues, how are you? All I'm expecting is that I'm fine and that we all walk away. But today, when I ask you, how are you? I genuinely mean it. I want to know, are you okay? Is your family okay? Are you, do you need any support? I genuinely mean it. And if you look around the world, I think people have be, are beginning to empathize more with each other because we've all been through a lot. So I think it's something that I'm especially the spirit of humanity during the COVID times. In Ghana, for instance, when the lockdown was initiated, people going out of their way to supply food and all that. So I think we're going to see, first of all, a very empathetic world where people genuinely care about each other. And when I ask how you are, it's not simply, I'm fine and we all walk away. The next thing is really about um, COVID brought about social distancing. And with social distancing came our inability to interact as social beings, for instance. And then um, I realized that just yesterday I was supposed to speak at an event in Berlin. Back in the days, it would have been practically impossible to speak at an event in Berlin from Accra. So you realize that we've been social beings, we have been conditioned over the last thousand years that our socialness, quote unquote, can only be manifested when we are sitting next to each other. But now we realize that Zoom is breaking down barriers. Skype is breaking down barriers. Today I'm here. I can talk to my clients. In, um, we've normalized my ability to talk to my clients in Jamaica, in Australia, in Canada. So I think that is the second thing where our definition of us being social beings will not just be limited to physical contact, but then it will go beyond that. The third one is also another thing about social distancing. Back then, I would have to carry money in my bag to go to the bank, to go to, I think, almost every major shop I've been in Accra the last few weeks that I've been here, except a POS, um, has a POS device. And I remember on day one when I arrived, I asked my friend, I want to eat the best food. He said, let's go to Ibri. We went and, you know, it's a very interesting place, right? And then we finished paying in the cliche time, I don't have um, CDs on me. And the woman goes like, oh, don't worry, I take Momo. I said, hey. You know, so it really tells you that um, the world is going to really move into an era where we don't really need, you don't need physical cash, you can simply transact business anywhere around the world with a click. And I think it will come with its opportunities as well. So you highlighted three things in terms of the new economy. You started by talking about the fact that we can, we become more empathetic as a people and how it's no longer just a term that we use, but we really mainly want to know how people are feeling. You spoke about technology breaking barriers to enable us connect across distances and then the third one is about how payment systems are adopting to the new world. Let's move on to Africa. Mm. Are we better off as a result of these developments and others that you have not yet mentioned? Yeah. I mean, looking back, is, would you say that Africa is better off than it used to be, or have you been left behind again with these recent developments? I think, um, so at first there were concerns for Africa from all, rightly so, from all over the world that, um, Africa could actually be one of the regions that would be heavily hit by COVID. And I remember very well telling a few friends I have that um, Africa would shock the world. And, you know, it was like, oh, come on. You know, especially because it was a crowd made out of people from Britain, the United States. And I, I, I said, I challenged them that um, let's look at, let's pick two African countries and two other countries. So the United States, the United Kingdom, South Africa and Ghana. And let's track how they've handled COVID and use their cases as a benchmark to determine who seems to be doing it well. And then, um, unfortunately, Ghana has had some fatalities. 
But then globally, if you look at where Ghana sits in terms of fatalities, and I think yesterday the finance minister in his press release did highlight the fact that um, they really put in place initiatives to ensure that Ghanaians are protected. I think when we started tracking this data among my friends, we realized that Kotoka was the first airport to bring in scanners, um, thermal, thermal scanners, to ensure that if you have a certain temperature limit, you are not allowed in through where everyone goes to. And at that time, I think it took like many, many weeks before other countries adopted it. Why? Because we have had our experience with Ebola back in the days when Ebola occurred a um, few doors away. We really put in place an emergency system, so all we had to do was to trigger it. The second thing I noticed is that, for example, testing, most countries don't even do testing at the airport. And it's something that I believe has really screened and protected Ghana and other countries that um, sort of initiated that. The third thing I noticed was um, in South Africa, they started the sort of um, level one, level two, level three response. And instantly, a few weeks later, the United Kingdom adopted that. So anyway, the point I'm making is that in terms of response, African countries seem to have um, really been ahead of the curve. As to the impact, the second order impact, here is what is going to happen. I think um, for a long time, Africans have followed the traditional global economic model, the global, like whatever the world do, we lead, um, we follow. But you realize that countries are really grabbing the bull by the horn and really setting their own destinies now. And the interesting thing is that it's in combination to the recently um, enacted African Free Trade Agreement, where the whole of Africa becomes one from a trade perspective. And I believe this is an enormous opportunity with a new economic model that the continent is really beginning to look at, the sky could be the limit. And I'm excited about the future for Africa. From where you sit, these, these are conversations you've been holding on different, at different conferences and different platforms. Sometimes your comments create quite a, quite a stir because it, it looks at what we should be doing differently. My mind goes back to the scripture I just read about laying the foundation and not being able to finish and, and people laughing at you. But in a, on a more positive note, recently you spoke about Africa choosing a part of the value chain that is the, is the smallest and daring African countries to bite the bullet and go for the deep end where the, the meat really is. What are your thoughts about when you say the countries are taking the bull by the horns, what would you like to see us do differently? And so let me, let me talk about an industry that I'm very familiar with, it's the electric vehicle industry. And from, um, there are about five parts of the value chain that um, from the mine all the way to an electric vehicle, like your Tesla or VW. And first you have the mining part, then you go to refinery metals, then you go to chemical precursor, then you go to cell, and you go to the um, electric vehicle. So there's an interesting statistics. The value of the mining part of the value chain, the market value by 2035 will be $2 billion. The refinery part will be around $40 billion. The chemical part will be $271 billion. The battery part will be $1 trillion. And then the electric vehicle part will be $7 trillion. So, Albert, if you're an African government, let me ask you. Which for the benefit of those, you just rolled out the numbers, and that's, that's what you do for a living. You roll out the numbers with ease. One thing about the virtual investing that people like writing, okay. writing okay. statistics. Okay. So just before you even go over, okay. go to your analysis, yeah. give me those numbers again. I like to smile when you're mentioning them. Give me those numbers again. So, so $2 billion for, for the, mining. Okay. 
And then you have the refinery part being about $40 billion. Okay. And, and then the chemical parts, $271 billion. Mm -hmm. And then the cell, the battery parts being $1 trillion. And the electric vehicle parts will be worth $7 trillion, all by 2035. Right. So what you're saying is that it's almost in ascending order. Exactly. Of the, the entire value chain is an ascending order of exactly. value and opportunity. Exactly. And are you suggesting that Africa has sat at the bottom percentile where what you call the two billion is? Exactly. Why? I think it really comes down to a few things, right? Um, in our analysis, what we discovered is that um, that is the comfort zone for most governments, okay? You really, it's, it's, it's easy as picking a pickaxe and a shovel and digging and you get the raw materials and you sell it to a third party. But it really takes strategic thinking, strategic action to decide what you do with the other parts of the value chain. And one thing I always say is that irrespective of what you produce, if you don't consume that product yourself, the probability that someone will build a refinery or a processing plant in your country is very low. We are the, one of the largest producers of cocoa. And I've always had people asking, why don't we produce chocolate? It's because we do not eat chocolate. And that is why, if statistically, if you look at countries like Switzerland or Europe, places where you find investors putting money in manufacturing capacity are places where you can easily get your demand. And it's just basic logic. Nobody will build or produce materials in a country where there is no use for it. You're suggesting that we strategically reorient exactly. our appetite towards things that are within our production value chain. And that is exactly what China did. So you create domestic demand to create domestic champions. And an example, we're talking about batteries. So CATL, six, seven years ago, was not, I mean, it was just an average um, battery startup. But the Chinese government realized we are a population of one billion people. If I enact laws that would serve as a carrot and stick for Chinese people to buy electric vehicles, we have domestic demand. So now with that domestic demand, we create domestic champions. And once we've been able to perfect these domestic champions, the next stage is to dominate the world. And Albert, between 2014 and now, CATL is one of the largest battery companies in the world. And it was just a simple playbook, create domestic demand and use that domestic demand to create domestic champions. And once those domestic champions perfect their craft, they will dominate the world. Domestic demand leads to domestic champions. If you are listening to us and wondering what this conversation is about, we are talking about how to get the best out of the year 2022. The, the discussion has often started from the personal front, and for that reason, we've missed out on the larger picture of the global trends that we should, we should be tapping into. So for somebody doing a small fabric business, a graduate doing something in deliveries or in food distribution or in secretarial services out there, this conversation is coming right at you in the next few minutes. And the whole idea is to situate what you are doing within the context of a bigger global conversation. If not, 10 years from now, we will still be small and wondering who moved our cheese 
or how did our iceberg get melted? My guest for today is Dr. Kwesi Ampofo of Bloomberg NEF in London. He's the head of metals and mining. And so if he tends to stray into conversations about metals and, and mining and so on, that is what he does uh, day and night. But the bigger question is about where is the world heading? And even more importantly, what must individuals companies, and by extension, nations do to be at the cutting edge. Chris, let's explore other opportunities in Africa that must be engaging our attention and pointing us to the fact that there is hope and there are opportunities we can tap into. So, you know, I always, the GDP of a country or a continent is really a big reflector of um, where the future opportunities are. And you know, let me use Ghana as a case study, and it applies to most other African countries as well. So 20 years ago, back in school, if you asked what is the biggest contributor to the country from a GDP perspective, it was a unanimous answer, agriculture. So if you wanted to be a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire in most parts of Africa 20, 30 years ago, the logic would be go to agriculture. And don't get me wrong, agriculture is still very important. But from 2005 into the 2010s, we saw an interesting development. Today in Ghana, and most African countries as well, services is the number one contributor to the country's GDP. Like I said, Ghana, if you go to the Ugandas and all those countries. So Albert, there is a gold mine in services. And we are moving further away from agriculture, industries, and into services. So now let's slice the services pie and understand what is in there. If Albert, you tell me right now that you need water, you are thirsty. I just go behind this building and buy water for 50 pesos and I sell it to you at one city. I provided you a service. That's a percentage contribution to the country's GDP. So now you've come to a realization that agriculture is good, it serves its purpose, industries are good, they're major industries, but then now services are pretty much running the country. We needed to talk to each other, we needed it. Um, internet. MTN said they can provide that for us, and they provided that service, and today they are one of the largest revenue generators in this country and the continent. So it's really, irrespective of what you're doing, I think most of the time, just to talk about employment, I believe that you need to find a service that someone needs. It doesn't need to be the next MTN or the next Vodafone or the next system. Whatever service that you can provide, depending on what you know are the needs of other people, you probably discovered the next multi-million market. And yesterday, simply because I knew I was coming here today, I deliberately ordered food online just to see across the whole value chain the number of people that I employed in this process. Back in the days, I would have walked to the restaurant or drove or get a taxi. But today, what is happening? There's a chef that cooks it probably from his kitchen at home. It doesn't have to be a restaurant. And then this chef will go onto an app. There's an app developer. And then this app, what it does is that connects you to a motor rider, another independent service provider. This motor rider now brings it to me at my home. So you look at three people being employed simply because of one service that I needed. And all these 10, 15 years ago would have not been made possible. So I believe that whatever service that you can offer to people and you will guarantee that it's a service in need could be your next breakthrough. So you're saying that whenever you order a pizza or a, watch, a, 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 a pack of watches or anything at home, immediately it triggers employment for a number of people in the value chain. Exactly. And 
it may not be visible to yeah. you, but these are multipliers in the local economy. I tell you what, the that was one of the big conversations on uh, youth that springboard youth dialogues when we traveled around the country, the finance minister exploring entrepreneurship and how it really could trigger economic growth. And one of the big conversations that we had with the local people sitting in small groups with people, uh, young people doing things was that you didn't need that, that big company in Sunyani or that big, you just needed that graduate who have confidence to be able to start something that as it begins to grow, can like employ five people. And we just began to model if a thousand graduates did that. And the, the numbers and the opportunities were absolutely unimaginable. Now, why, why don't these conversations hit the front burner? Is it the way we've been reoriented from our education? What's the missing link from where you sit? There's a couple of things here, right? And I think that is why we need programs like, like these. And sometimes you, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes ever from Springboard, I, th- I can't remember whether it was Takradio Kipko, but it was a Sankuma. And I used to write, you know, back then when I kept diary, I don't know if I've written it in this one. I think it was Isaiah 33, verse 6. And it says, knowledge and wisdom shall be the stability of your time. And I think any time I met Ace at a springboard event, he would talk about the same quotes. And so I, I read a lot. I probably learned it from you, but I read a lot. <laughs> but then that quote really anchored my belief. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what opportunities exist if you don't know. And that is the number one thing. And that is why I believe initiatives like this that really give people the knowledge, because Usually when I travel across Africa and you tell people that, oh, it's very easy to raise funds to do XYZ business. Did you even know that there's a bank set up by governments across Africa to trade with someone in Comoros? And in a meeting in Africa, an Africa exam meeting in, um, I think in South Africa, that was an example he used, and it has nothing to do with the Black Stars. But that was an example he used. That do I know that? And that was an example he used. That Do I know that? they can finance trade for SMEs to these countries. And I said, okay, I didn't know. And like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So knowledge and wisdom shall be the stability of our times, number one. And number two, I really think that um, the ease of doing business, so every year the World Bank publishes a report and it really highlights certain factors that would make doing businesses in some countries very easy. And what I notice is that... um, Countries like Ghana, Nigeria, seems to be performing quite poorly in these rankings. And there's something interesting that Rwanda did. So one time, the country realized that they performed not so well in the rankings. So the, the president or the government set up a committee. Like, what are the factors that they look at? So it turns out every year, the World Bank sends people to come to your country to register a company just to see how long it takes. How long does it take to get electricity? How long does it take to get water? How long does it take to get a bank account? So the government of Rwanda listed all these and set subcommittees, and the mandate was very simple. In five years, in two years, whatever time frame, I want to see Rwanda being number one in all this. And now that's magic happened. If you look at the rankings right now where Rwanda is, it's quite impressive. So it's really about looking at the ease of doing business for the country and looking at it from an integrated perspective. And I think over the last six, seven years, I've seen Ghana really move forward in really making life easy in terms of doing business and we talk about transactions for instance where happened everywhere i was trying to buy for food i didn't need to go back down to get cash from an atm 
it's really about paying with my mobile money. So I think, first of all, the knowledge is very important, but then also really making it easy for young entrepreneurs, the entry barrier for young entrepreneurs to get into the market. Then we can start talking about capital and all that, which I believe are secondary things. But once we get these two right, give them the knowledge and really make it easy to do business, magic will happen as well in Ghana. If you've joined us in this discussion so far, my guest is Dr. Kwesiyan Pufu of Bloomberg NEF in UK, helping me to understand wh- where the world is heading, what are some of the trends from the global stage, the continental stage, into the country stage, and we are coming close to you as an individual. We'll go for a brief break. When we come back, what does all this mean for you listening to me, especially as we talk about building a sustainable entrepreneurial state? Where nation, where do you come in? What would you do differently? And how can you make the most out of the year 2022 as a springboard for the year 2032, 10 years from now? Please don't go away. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, Where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and the whole world awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere you go. Hello. Customer. Hmm. Hey, The entire customer service team is out for lunch. Please call back in four hours. What? Me nana be di akona mama me bad service ano. Me cockra. Ah, nana. With bounce from Enterprise D, you will love the customer service experience. Keke. I'm available for you 24/7 on the Enterprise Advantage app, the Enterprise website, and on WhatsApp number 055-400-1924. Hello, Babs. Chat with Babs from Enterprise. Your contact for insurance, pensions, funeral and property solutions from the Enterprise Group. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. was established in 1972 as the premier bank for the corporate and private sector in Ghana. From our very beginning, as the only Ghanaian bank serving all categories of businesses, we set a standard for excellence and innovation over the past 45 years. We've built a financially healthy and strong bank, demonstrated our commitment to our customers and to growing businesses, and exhibited originality and innovation at every turn. At UMB, our focus is built around people, service, products and technology. 
These are the key to our present success and our future triumphs. At UMB, we're poised to make a difference not only with our customers, but also in the banking industry. We invite you to share in our future. Our future starts now with you. Welcome back to Springboard of Virtual University, looking at how to get the best out of the year 2022. Let me thank our partners and sponsors that make this broadcast possible, MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, the Multimedia Group, and the Graphic Communications Group. Special thanks to our friends from the Hair Center for coming on board to support this laudable initiative. Today we are looking at the individual, the company, the nation, the continent, and the world. How do we get the best out of the year 2022? My guest for today, Dr. Christian Pofu, the head of mining and metals at Bloomberg NEF in the UK and a board member of Amira Africa, a leading mining research firm, helping us to appreciate what we must do and where the world is going. He has so far said that we must create domestic demand to create domestic champions who will go on to dominate the world. And he's saying that for that to happen, we must start looking at the higher end of the value chain, move ourselves from the bottom end deliberately to the top end where the meat really is. Psalm 107 verse 23 and 24 says that they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in deep waters, it is they who see the works of our Lord and his wonders in the deep. Dr. Ambo says go into the deep. That is where the big fishes are, and that is where the miracles, the magic is. You ended a note of magic. <laughs> let's, let's explore how this magic can work for the unemployed graduate, the unemployed young person, that person starting out on this journey um, where you were t- 10, 12 years ago when you started your career, trying to do something with your lives. This year, the budget of the nation is focusing on building a sustainable entrepreneurial nation. Um, recently, we had a chance to be in Morocco and looked at how well they promote entrepreneurship. I mean, everybody's doing something with skills and they love it. They don't see it as a second choice career path. What does all this mean for the young graduates, that young person starting out in life in terms of opportunity and career progression? Most graduates are in a better place than I probably was um, 10, 15 years ago. And as you rightly mentioned, that um, this year, the government of Ghana's budget is going to focus a lot on entrepreneurship. And I see a similar pattern in other African countries as well. So now you have the support, the backing of the government itself, which probably did not exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. So I think the first thing is that graduates, you are in a better place than people that have gone ahead of you. So then how do you now convert these opportunities into something sustainable from an income perspective and also from a career growth perspective? I really think that we sometimes, individuals need to think as companies. And most times, as you rightly mentioned in Morocco, nobody goes into a business or no business operates in order to think of itself as a secondary, all right, we are doing this because we love to draw or we're doing this because we love to brew coffee. Like nobody goes into business with that mentality. And I think individuals as well is something that you can take up if you want to pursue an initiative. You know, the moment you start thinking that there's plan A, plan B, then you've already reached your plan F, which is a plan failure. 
and that is where I believe that um, there is a, like whenever I drive through Ghana or I walk through the street, there's there are many opportunities that you see. Be it like we talked about services, and then really understanding the needs of people, and really providing solutions to those challenges. And I do believe that the first thing as an individual is to pretty much, I know it's cliche, to identify a problem. And most of the times, what I've noticed is that we are very fixated. When one person discover a challenge, we are moving towards. Yeah. So you're saying that what has happened in the past is that when we scan the environment and we see one opportunity and somebody does it and it does well and then we hail it, then we all go rushing into sure. that same thing. How do we create a diversity that will enable us to look at other areas instead of all of us cramming into that one thing that seems to be doing well? Yeah, so that is why I believe that this entrepreneurial um, initiative is a good one. And uh, let's take, let me take you back to Americas in the early 1900s. And not like I was there myself, but then history books gives us the privilege too. So what the American government used to do, that was the age of innovation where America was competing with Germany, with the United Kingdom. And every year, the government will pick strategic initiatives. So we are thinking of overhauling our transport. We are thinking of overhauling our banking system. So if you go to a city like New York, for instance, they will host what they call an innovation fair. And what happens is that the government would provide an avenue. So there are investors on one hand. There are people looking for solutions on one hand. There's a government itself on another hand. And a host of other stakeholders all sitting around the table. And what you have to do is to showcase your innovation. And out of that, if you've heard of um, Elon Musk's Hyperloop, so Hyperloop was not created, technically created by Elon Musk. It came out of one of such initiatives, I think in the 1920s, somewhere around that, to really develop the next mode of transport. And ever since then, we've never really developed another mode of transport. So you do realize that the first thing for that diversity to be created, governments, stakeholders like companies should really facilitate an area where people can showcase initiatives. And I think that is where that diversity starts. Because when, if you're in your room, you think that, oh, you've, you've discovered that aha moment, only for you to walk out with the idea and realize that there are 100 people who are also thinking like you. But when we all gather, you realize that, oh, Albert is focusing on this part of the value chain. But he doesn't seem to have batteries. Why don't I produce batteries for Albert? And let's highlight that. Like we highlight, for example, the National Science and Mass Quiz. And I think magic will happen. For, for a second, I know. <laughs> I know <that. laughs> For an alumnus uh, of Christmas, I know there are two sides to the <laughs> National Science and Mass Peace Conversation, the part that is, is fun and the part that is pain, but we'll not go there. Continuous learning is a very central, integral part of this whole, whole springboard concept. But let me just pick your mind on something um, related. In all these conversations about the changing world of work, especially in the light of COVID, there's something about being a generalist. I don't know whether it fits into this conversation or it's a bit of a... Um, an adjacency. So it is imagined that many companies who have to make a choice if, let's say, they had 30 staff and they had to reduce them to 10 would go for that person who doesn't just do what their core is but can also do other related things that are necessary but for which they would have had to employ somebody else, maybe to drive you, to type for you, to do these additional skills. Would you call them making you a generalist or the uh, soft skills and additionals that everyone must have? 
Albert, so I told you six years ago I changed my knowledge. I think the last one minute I've changed my opinion again. And I'm creating a new term, specialist journalist. Wow. <laughs> so you must be a specialist journalist. journalist like, yeah. Help me to understand how you understand that. So I'm basically um, mining, you know, and I did mineral economics. But what I do now is really about new energy metals. Okay. So it's really like less and less of what I specialize in in school. But then the fundamentals were there for me to adapt quickly and then move into other spaces. So I think you should, when, when I come into this room and I said, hey, I'm looking for an accountant, you should be known for that thing. Oh, go to Albert. He's, you cannot find any other talent better than him in that. And then the plus, the generalist plus comes in. Oh, but by the way, do you have a license? Do you know how to drive? Do you know how to, do you know what metaverse is? Do you know this and that? And then, oh, of course. Then, so you specialize. When we work in a room and we are looking for a specific talent, obviously your name should come up for that. But then beyond that, to really take advantage in a very competitive world today, you should also update your specialist knowledge to become what I just termed a specialist generalist. Six years ago, it was generalist. Then he became specialist, yeah. and now he's specialist, specialist generalist. <laughs> Too powerful. <laughs> if you just joined us, this is Springboard of Virtual Investing. My conversation with Dr. Christian Buffo of Bloomberg NEF in the UK, discussing how to make the best out of 2022. What we've tried to do is to scope what is happening on the global front, continental front, national front, and trying to see how all stakeholders can make life better for all of us as we seek to build a great nation, great individuals, great companies and I enjoyed the year 2022. Against the backdrop of the springboard theme for this year, which is Agenda 2032, how to be better in 10 years, and what better way to do it than how we are doing it now. So for you, listeners and individual, you know what to expect. I'm going to soon ask Dr. Ambuf to tell us his top predictions for the year 2022 and how you must take advantage of it. If you, if you haven't called a loved one, a friend to tune in, this is their last chance in the last few minutes. We'll be asking what is likely to happen. Look in that crystal ball. What will happen in the year 2022? And how can individuals take advantage of it? Dr. Ambo, for the point about creating domestic champions, uh, domestic demand to create domestic champions to dominate the world, is, is twirling in my mind as a very, very big theme. But before we go on to your predictions, what do you think about exporting talent? Because you are Ghanaian, you're working in the UK, you're working in a different country. Should we, like some countries do, I mean, we used to frown it and call it brain drain and, and say outright that it, it was unacceptable. But should it be a deliberate policy of countries to export talents to other countries? And how can these countries then, the home countries, then benefit from this export? If you think it's a deliberate policy, we should consider. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, so it's a policy that I've seen other countries do. And the knowledge is not, it's not something that any country can hold um, full, full ownership of. Like if you come to Ghana, we are very good at... Uh, Cocoa production, I mean, kudos to our cocoa farmers, the best in the world, and our beans have high, one of the highest qualities. But then, if you're looking for chocolate um, expertise in Ghana, Albert, it will be very, very difficult to find one who can make um, the kind of chocolate Cadbury makes. So what do you do? It's really about either you import expatriates 
or you send out your young um, or able um, experts to Switzerland or wherever they are good at to learn. But then it should not end there. It should not be an open loop. It should be a closed loop where you go, you study for two, three years, you work for two, four years in this area, and you come back home and we have an opportunity waiting for it. Botswana has done very well with that, where they realize that the resources they have, which is diamond, was finite. And once it's gone, it's gone. And there are three types of resources for every country. So you have the natural resource, which is God-given. You have the capital resource, which is money that finances um, projects. And you have the human resource. So if we are depleting our natural resource, it would make more sense to invest our natural resource in our human resource. And that's exactly what Botswana has been doing, where they look at strategic areas. We don't have enough doctors. We are going to send out students to study medical uh, medicine in these strategic areas. And when you come, there are opportunities we've lined up for you. China started something similar, very deliberate about exporting its talent to the world to gain knowledge. And then there's a closed-loop system where after five years, four years, six years, you come back home and there's an opportunity waiting for you. And that's the missing link I find in some countries where we do send out a lot of talent out there. But then it's not a closed loop where we create opportunities for them to come back to so they can contribute to the nation. So I think there was a name for the China one, unfortunately, I cannot remember. But it's a strategic policy to ensure that we do not just send them out there and really not create opportunities for them to come back. You make a very powerful point about either you import expatriates or you export young talent, let them gain experience and knowledge, and then create a closed-loop system to bring them back to contribute. Mm -hmm. So that closed-loop system that you describe is what you may call the missing link, yeah. which Botswana, China, and others have, have taken advantage of. Let me come to how to maintain success. You've seen, I don't want to call them flashes in the pan, but spots of brilliance, brilliant musicians, brilliant artists, brilliant people creating, young people creating great success in the arts, in music, in theater, in entertainment, some great musicians, Ghana, Nigeria, and then other fields of endeavor. How do we maintain, how do we ring fence and then ensure that we drive these to bigger levels of success? Well, you talked about music, so I'll use music as an example. But first of all, on my first year at Anglo-American, my boss told me something that, because um, we, don't, we, don't, we don't value superstars here. We aim for consistency. Mm. So that is, it's really not about your talent shooting you above everyone else. But then it's really being able to sustain whatever opportunity or privilege your talent gave you into the next wave, then wave after wave, wave after wave. And I always try to compare the Beatles with Osibisa. I know it's a very weird comparison, but then I'm of the view that the Beatles, Osibisa, had what it takes to become a global brand, which they did in their time, because they relied on heavily on their talents back in the days to succeed, dominate the world, playing shows in Oslo, Sydney, everywhere, Japan. But then oh, but something interesting happened. Today, the world still remembers the Beatles, but then only few of those who loved the CBS still remember their name, and it comes down to record label. Being managed. Mm. Management is everything. Structure is everything. Consistency, being able to replicate success every morning. 
does not come from talent. And I believe that is a missing link. And even if you look at contemporary Afrobeat, for instance, I remember recently there was a debate about Ghana and Nigeria music and how come they're dominating. And I asked my friends, whoever told me that, one simple question. Have you checked the record labels, these Nigerian music sound, musicians? Oh, Benaboy, I think it's on Universal. Davido is signed on to Sony Music through um, its partnership and all that. So you do realize that when you are under such labels, it's not just your talent anymore. There is a level of support that you get that ensures that you do not just rely on your voice to succeed. You have lawyers, you have people who train you, you have people who teach you legal, you have people who teach you how to advertise, you have people who teach you how to become a CEO and all that. And I believe that consistency, management, would really deliver a lot of change for what we call flash in the pan in Ghana. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I hate to do this, but let's come to the last point of concern, and that is looking into the year 2022. And by the way, that conversation about talent and especially the area of music is one conversation that I had several times with the late Danny Netty, who composed a springboard sick tune. And we, we used to walk on the streets of Accra and talk for hours on this issue, how musicians could, could sustain their craft at the highest level and the point you make is right at the heart of it consistency management structure and the record label is one big one that we must explore again but we see looking into the year 2022 what are some of the top things that you see likely to happen and how must uh listeners and viewers position themselves what must they do differently to take advantage of them a few days ago if you follow the digital world you realize that um microsoft has acquired a gaming company. Facebook has acquired, um, has changed its name to Meta. And we are moving into Web3 now. I think this year, it would really upend some of the traditional things that we thought would be the future of the internet. And I do believe that it has leveled the playing ground for us. Back in the days when Web1, Web2 came about, internet was really a privileged commodity in Ghana today. Everyone has internet. So the metaverse will really provide an opportunity for new business models, for new opportunities, and it doesn't take much to learn. You don't need a PhD in metaverse to become an expert. Everyone is still figuring it out. So jump on YouTube, jump on um, Coursera, whatever it takes, and in there you could find some opportunity. Banks are going to get on board soon. Industrial companies are going to get on board soon. Agricultural companies are going to get on board soon. And it doesn't hurt to be ahead of the curve so that when, for example, um, enterprise is looking for someone to build a metaverse model for them, when we come in the room and we scream, who is an expert or who is a specialist in this, you're already ahead of the curve. So I think that is the first one. The second thing is really about um, the fact that the country we live in, I know I talked about services, but then industrialization has also become a big component of... Um, of the country's trajectory now. And quite recently, we are investing heavily in railway. We are also investing heavily in, um, in auto industries as well. And I think it's just really this year reframing your mindset about what the traditional careers are or the tradi- what the successful careers in Ghana look like. A railway industry is coming. What do you know about railway? It could be a potential employer this year 
automakers, VW, are producing in Ghana, it could be a potential employer. So if you are really looking forward to the big opportunities from an employment perspective, look at the places that companies and governments are investing money in and upskill yourself quickly to really be ahead of the curve. And also the fact that um, in most of the industries that we know today, the old ways are going to give way for the new way. Um, the new way. And I talk about restaurants, for instance, that back in the days, um, I would walk into a major restaurant to buy food. Today, I can order food from someone's kitchen. All the person needs is a delivery company to deliver it. And you can see a lot of these businesses springing up. And those are potential threats to major brands. So it doesn't take much. But then know that whatever industry you are in, whether you are in a bank, today they are smaller fintech companies that are threatening banks in the UK in terms of market market share. So whatever industry you are in now, think about the fact that 2022 will be the global refresh. And the fact that um, somebody sitting somewhere would use a much more nimble model to eat your breakfast, eat your lunch, and potentially eat your dinner as well. So really understand that the old way. <laughs> so understand that the old ways will give way to the new way. And wherever you find yourself, 2022 being the year of refresh, also refresh your skill sets. And I think I will end here. Wow. If you if you joined us along the line, this has been Dr. Kwesi Ampofu. He works with Bloomberg NEF in, in the UK. He's the head of mining and metals, but he's here as a springboard alumnus and sharing with us what we should be looking at in the year 2022. The last note of which he added was big, but I'll start from the top and tell you my top 10 learnings from Kwesi. Um, Kwesi has been telling us about the social dynamics of COVID-19. We have become more empathetic. We are connecting new ways without the limitation of distance and Payment systems are making the impossible possible. These are the three social dynamics of COVID-19. He says Africa has done better than predicted in responding to COVID, especially with the protocols and with the compliance with the requirements of being safe. But the next frontier is for Africa to take advantage of the new economy and take the bull by the horns. Point number three says move up the value chain. The part that caught many of us, he modeled it with mining and said, the mining end has $2 billion, refinery $40 billion, chemical $271 billion, battery or cells has $2 trillion, and where Elon Musk operates, the electric car has $7 trillion. He says, why play at the, the shallow end when the deep end has more fish? So as individuals, as com- countries, as companies, we should be looking at the deep end and going up the value chain. And the more you shift up the value chain, the more you can earn. And he says, create domestic demand to get domestic champions who will dominate the world. That's the big point that he's been conversing on the show today. The fourth is services as a multiplier. He's simply saying that today, when you sit in the comfort of your home and order wache or pizza or anything that you order, it creates jobs along the value chain. The chef gets a job, the farmer gets a job, the packaging printer gets a job, the motor rider gets a job, and, and the app developer gets a job. And so you are not just chopping watching, you are feeding and employing so many people along the value chain. Therefore, we should watch services as a multiplier. Number five is about knowledge, deliberateness, and the ease of doing business. He says he was 
inspired by the thoughts is uncommercial on springboard about knowledge and wisdom being the stability of our times and that has been at the back of his mind all throughout his life because guess what what you don't know you don't know and he's saying that a simple case study on the ease of doing business when you know you can respond to something and he used rwanda as an example deliberately changing a number of things the indicators to become better ranked in the ease of doing business he talked about entrepreneurship and he says today's graduates even though there's high unemployment have an advantage that they should not um, lose sight of he mentioned opportunities in services opportunities in industrialization etc etc and said the thing we must avoid is trying to all cram ourselves into the same place when one person breaks through in one place he says create innovation hubs fairs where ideas that have come out can be canvassed so that there can be diversity rather than all of us cramming into one thing number seven is about the interesting point about the specialist generalist six years ago he says let's go generalist then with time he says no specialist and then today he says specialist generalist is the best that was very very interesting number eight is about exporting talent he says contrary to what we think we instead of importing expatriates all the time we can export young brains give them opportunity outside the world in various fields and guess what bring them back with a deliberately designed closed loop system so they can come back and contribute and help us move up that value chain number nine is about sustaining successes talent is not enough and a simple model Osibisa was probably as talented as the Beatles but many years later we talk about the Beatles and don't talk about Osibisa that much on the global stage because consistency management structures ensure that you stay at the top end and if you get a good record label these are guaranteed to ensure that you stay at the top and last one top predictions for the year 2022 he says this is a year of global refresh he says watch some indicators watch where the money is going where companies are investing where nations are investing and he says on the global front Microsoft has acquired a gaming company. Watch out for Facebook changing its name. Watch developments in the metaverse and get yourself ahead of the curve. Locally in Ghana, he says, watch developments like the railway, the auto company setting up here in Ghana, because these could become new areas where you can acquire skills and be ahead of the curve. So much more to talk about, but a big thank you to you, Dr. Kisambafu, for joining us on Springboard, your virtual university, and it's been phenomenal. What will be your closing thoughts for today? I think, um, <clears throat> like you rightly mentioned, this is a global refresh. So, and then at the same time, we are having a global resignation. So what it means is that we are refreshing industries, refreshing the way we do things, but then a lot of people are also deciding to reskill as well and then move into other industries or move into where other, other areas. And I think for us in Ghana, it's really an opportunity that in history, I tried studying the last 100 years moments where we have seen significant change in the way people do things and this is one of the few you're looking at about one of four one of three so we are in the best age yet and then um, i believe that um, the sky is the limit for those looking for jobs i do believe that this is the right time with the right skills and with the right opportunity presenting itself a lot will happen those looking at um, federal entrepreneurial plans i do believe that with the internet with 
African free trade and all that, the world is just a playing ground for all of us now. And we certainly can take it up there. And also to those who really looking forward to feathering their skills. Like I said, Albert, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give you some props here that uh, I have been a big beneficiary of Springboard. I believe in continuous learning simply because of my affiliation with this institution. And it's something that I always champion that to become that specialist journalist that I talked about. Go to university or whatever polytechnic, whatever you are doing, become that specialist. But then also avail yourself to platforms like this to become that specialist journalist so that when we walk in a room and we are looking for an auditor who can push a track or an auditor who understands human capital development, you can lift up your hand and grab that opportunity with both legs and hands. So thank you. Grab the opportunity with both, both legs and hands and you will get the word magic. That's the word I used that I love in the first segment. So Comfort and I and Team Springboard would like to dedicate tonight's today's show to... Sam Okran, my brother, and your wife, Dr. Gloria Okran, for reasons that I'm sure you know more than I do, we want to say a big thank you to you for who you are and what you represent. Big dedication to Sam and Gloria Okran on today's show. And just to sign off by saying that that Kwesi is, is our son and, and we are very proud of what he's doing. He's the brother of the legendary <laughs> Oriku Ampofo. That's Oriku's big brother. Oriku, the data journalist. And we thank God for your lives and what you, you, you guys are doing. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And we thank God for you every day. And we are confident that 10 years from now, in the year 2032, when we sit on this show, there will be so much more to celebrate. A big congratulations to you for what you do. And may the story get better by the day. Good evening to you, Mr. Kisley Ampofo, listening from Koforidua. Special dedication to you as well. Enjoy this one. Quizzy, thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Albert. To you out there, let's do this again next week, and God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you.